Welcome to Hypnotic History, the podcast about 20th century life in the United States. I'm Ashley. I'm Wendy. And I'm Logan. And today we're talking about green stamps. Because I think green stamps and other stamp programs like it are not as well known as some of our other topics, before we sort of chat about our own experiences, I wanted to give just a really brief overview of what it is in case you're not familiar. Uh, So green stamps are one type of stamp program, and there were several stamp programs, where you would go to participating retailers, and when you spent money, they would give you a certain number of stamps based on what you spent, and then you could later redeem them for stuff you wanted. Um, It's a lot like loyalty programs today where you get points per purchase, and then you can redeem the points for stuff. So, Wendy. Yes. I always start with you. Sorry. (laughs) It's because you're sitting right across from me. It's okay. I've got my back to Logan. Um, So, Wendy, do you have any experience with green stamps? Okay. So... I don't know if my experience is with green stamps, but, you know, I have... It can be with stamps in general. I have dealt with a stamp program, but I would like to tell you my mom's experience with green stamps. Um, And then we'll get to me. How long is this show? So, we... My mom was raised by her grandparents. And so, if you know, we always talk about how I didn't have money for this and I didn't have money for that. If you've ever want to meet someone who had less money than I did, you should meet my mom and her grandparents that she grew up with. So she said that they used to get green stamps when my papa would go and get gas. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that. I didn't know you'd get them from getting filling yep. up with gas. Mm-hmm. So he would bring home the green stamps and my mama would be there waiting on them. And the kids, once she got them to a certain point, the kids would sit around the table with cups of water and put them in the, to the booklets. And oh, yeah. Yes. And she was very meticulous about these green stamps because you know couldn't get them crooked Mm -hmm. you had to get them in there perfectly because if not then you couldn't put so many of them in the booklet yeah okay well then they would go over to Portsmouth and in Portsmouth they had a catalog room nice a green stamp catalog room and you would go in and look at the catalog and you would order what you wanted and she said she got mixers Mm -hmm. and all kinds of cool stuff and, you know, you ordered what you wanted and in like six to eight weeks it would come and you'd go pick it up. And it was just like a big to do. Yep. So, yeah, she she really enjoyed the green stamps and they were able to get stuff that way. Now, ours was through um, I remember we got them through Anna Lou. It was a grocery store in South Shore and they weren't green stamps, I don't think. But they were a stamp program. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I got into the biggest trouble of my life once. Because my dad brought home some stamps and left them laying around. Oh, no. And I w- was playing with them. Oh, no. Yeah, I was playing post office with them. And oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was mailing out fake letters with them. Yeah, I got into some pretty big trouble over that. Were they by any chance uh, top value? I think that might have been it. That I was think, another big stamp I think they program. were a yellowish color. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. But I think that I think my mom said like. they were top top value sounds familiar. Okay. But yeah, I got into some pretty big trouble for that. But yeah, I don't remember getting to pick out anything like I think my mom had to do with all of that. So I didn't have as much of a role in those as like she did with my mom, my mom and papa. But 
That's too bad because they did have toys yeah. that you could redeem stamps for. No, no, I didn't get any say in any of that, I don't think. Especially since I, I messed it up, you know. Yeah, playing, that's true. You're the problem. With them. You had your time with the chance, <laughs> your chance with stamps. You yeah. ruined it. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Logan? Do you have memories of stamps? Uh, you asked me that before we did this, and I am racking my brain, and I cannot think of a time that mom or dad uh, had had any mention of that or we did any of that. And I can't seem to remember my grandparents, either sets of grandparents having it. Uh, We'll probably find out today when we go meet them. Yeah, that's Uh, true. (laughs) But I don't think so. Yeah, I'm the same. Um, And that's probably because by the time we came around, stamp programs were not as popular. But uh, I mean, they were still around, but they weren't as big of a thing as they used to be. I don't have any remember any remembrances <laughs> I can't talk today of stamps um, or green stamps specifically but I asked my mom about it and she said that her mother and grandmother collected them and she said if her grandfather came home from the grocery store and he had forgotten to get the stamps then oh, he might yeah. as well just walk right back out the door oh yeah my that's what my mom said about my grandma she was mad if mm-hmm. he would come home and not have those green stamps oh I get it because i'll probably get ahead of ourselves here but like you're gonna buy those products anyway you might as well get something back for it exactly so yeah you better get every single stamp you can absolutely so green stamps are from a company called sperry and hutchinson and they as we've alluded to they weren't the only stamp company doing this uh but we're going to focus on them mainly because their stamp program is probably the most uh, widely used, the most well-known, um, and I could find the most information about it. So just give you a peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> I could find the most information about them. Um, trading stamps were created by several retailers as a way to encourage customers to pay cash instead of using credit. Um, so I guess you would, if you used credit then you wouldn't be able to get the stamps. But if you paid in cash, yeah. 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 Um, And that's how it was at first. I don't know if that's the way that it operated from that point on. And this was actually uh, the late uh, 19th century. So goes way, way back. Sperry and Hutchinson Company was founded in 1896 by Thomas Sperry and Shelley Byron Hutchinson, Shelley Byron Hutchinson. What a name. That is an incredible name. What a name. His parents. Oh, chef's kiss. (laughs) (laughs) It almost makes me want to have children (laughs) so I can name them Shelley Byron. Uh, They created a stamp company called S&H Stamps, uh, standing for Sperry and Hutchinson. So I'll probably use those names interchangeably throughout this episode. Their stamps were also often known as green stamps because of their color, obviously. Um, And they were the first independently run trading stamp program. So I I take that to mean, and I hope I'm interpreting this correctly, that stores had stamp programs, but they were kind of like what we see as loyalty programs today. If I go to such and such a gas station or grocery store or department store or whatever, they have their own brand specific stamp program Mm -hmm. but sperry and hutchinson was the first stamp program to not be specific to a certain brand or franchise or chain or whatever there were lots of different companies that gave out their stamps yeah Yeah. can you hear Paige screaming (laughs) her head off 
We'll find and out. Now she stopped. <laughs> play, but yeah. yeah, she might have some stories to tell, and we're That's just not letting her. To not limit it to one one company. It is. So how did it work? Well, SNH they sold their stamps to the retailers, so that was one way that they made their money was mm-hmm. that they were getting money for the stamps themselves. And then when people shopped at these retailers, those customers were awarded a certain number of stamps based on how much they spent. For every dollar you spent at an SNH affiliated retailer, you received 10 stamps, each making each one point stamp representative of 10 cents. Mm-hmm. Over time, however, um, if you've ever seen stamps that are not one-point stamps, that they're maybe a little bigger, those existed too. Those came about later on because businesses wanted to use higher denomination stamps so they didn't have to use as many. Because if you imagine giving out 10 stamps for every dollar someone spends, that's a lot of stamps. Mm -hmm. So they started making stamps that were worth more than one point um, so that you didn't have to give out as many. And as Wendy said, SNH did provide stamp books each book had 24 pages, and each page held 50 points. So if you do the math, that means each book represented 1,200 points. Wow. And if you uh, went to redeem them, the prices of items were listed in number of books. Like, this is one book. Or if you want this, okay. you have to spend two books. Yeah. Licking and sticking all those stamps into a book sounds like a chore, but this was typically relegated to children. It gave them something to do to keep them busy. And you could say, well, they're learning counting. Which I bet, I wonder how many parents did it just for that. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, we're going <laughs> to get all these stamps busy. and the kids will be, help. that'll give me 20 minutes of peace and quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can imagine as a kid being like, oh, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can put the stamps in a book. Woo. <laughs> I was a simple child. <laughs> well, my my great grandparents had nine kids, and they were raising you know my mom and a couple other grandkids here and there. Oh wow! So I'd say they would look for anything to keep. Them oh yeah. <laughs> Whoever is the best behaved today gets to put the stamps yeah. in the book. <laughs> there you go, yeah. <laughs> Bad children don't get to use the stamp book. There you go. <laughs> Every year, SNH put out a catalog called an idea book, and this contained items that you could redeem using your stamps. You could also redeem stamps at SNH redemption centers. Mm-hmm. Do you remember uh, actually having a storefront that you could go to? I don't think that we did, no. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was all done by the time I could remember okay. having all of that. Plus, that was probably just in the bigger cities. Yeah. Well, you know, they had that one in Portsmouth yeah. that my mom went to when she was a kid. But Portsmouth was a completely different time whenever I was, mm-hmm. you know, between when she was a kid and I was a kid. Yeah. Completely different entity. This model was good business, by the way, for both Sperry and Hutchinson and the retailers who offered their stamps. S&H bought their goods wholesale, but then they set stamp redemption amounts at retail prices. So in addition to making money off selling the stamps to retail participating retailers, they also made money when you redeemed stuff because they wanted you to, um, the amount that you would quote unquote pay in stamps was about equal to what that item would cost retail, but S&H was buying all these things wholesale. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, that was pretty good business for them. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, retailers said that buying the stamps was only about 2% of their revenue and that the stamp program brought in enough business to make that small investment worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Because people, I guess they were hoping that people would go 
to their shop because they would get stamps there. It was something to draw people in. Like, I go to this grocery store because they give me stamps. Mm -hmm. Stamps, by the way, also had cash value as a result of state laws enacted shortly after the turn of the century. However, a stamp's worth typically equated to its catalog buying power, so most people didn't redeem them for cash. And it's possible that a lot of people didn't even know that they could redeem them for cash. I don't know. I might do that. But I don't think you would get a lot of money out of it. No, I would say if you could get like a more expensive item mm-hmm. than what you would get back, you know, as far as cash, then yeah. I would absolutely go for that item. Yeah. By the way, with so much value, because they had buying power, they had an actual cash value, the production of these stamps was heavily regulated, kind of like cash, like kind of like actual money. Every stamp was numbered, had a watermark, and had a number printed in ink that would glow under a black light. Oh, wow. Wow. That, yeah. is, that is a lot of respect. Yeah, uh, I know. <laughs> I know. That is really impressive. But they were just like money, basically. Mm-hmm. So they had to kind of produce them and handle them the same way. Green stamps grew in popularity throughout the first half of the 20th century, and their popularity peaked during the 60s when 80% of American households collected green stamps. That's wild. 80%. I know. And that's just for that one kind of stamp. Mm-hmm. And there were other programs out there, but green stamps alone was 80%. By the mid-60s, there were around 600 redemption centers. And green stamps were so popular that Sperry and Hutchinson issued three times more stamps than the U.S. Postal Service. I wonder if they used, like, the same company for, like, the gum and the the stamp making. You know, I found um, something. It was an interview, and I'm going to reference it in a few parts coming up. But there's an interview on this site with a guy who ran one of the production factories. And I think uh, he said they did do from, you know, start to finish everything involved in the stamp mm-hmm. in that one factory. Yeah. is a really cool uh, website, by the way. I think it's called Oklahoma Voices. But in any case, it's referenced in our show description. And they essentially just uh, interview Oklahomans. Uh, about their lives and things that they knew about. And I just I thought it was a really cool interview beyond just the stamp stuff. So if you like to dive into the past, I think you should give it a listen. Uh, also, in addition to issuing all those stamps, their idea catalog became the biggest publication in the United States, distributing over 30 million copies annually. The catalog was also literally huge. Around this time, an idea book would have been around 200 pages long. Wow. All those things you could redeem, mm-hmm. 200 pages worth. In 1966, children at a Pennsylvania school collected 5.4 million stamps and bought two gorillas, one for the Pittsburgh Zoo in Highland Park and another that went to Glenwood Park Zoo in Erie, Pennsylvania, which became the mate of their male gorilla, Lonesome George. Aww. I really hope the zoos knew ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I kind of want it to be like a surprise, like, don't tell them we're doing this. And then just suddenly, one day, a gorilla's like, hey, boss, we got a gorilla (laughs) ship. I like to imagine that they contacted Sperry and Hutchinson, and they're like, we would actually really like to redeem our stamps for gorillas. How much is a gorilla? And they're like, oh. I bet they didn't buy the gorilla wholesale. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wholesale gorilla, yeah. (laughs) 
the person that I mentioned a moment ago who was interviewed by Oklahoma Voices, his name is Carl Willis, and he managed a green stamp manufacturing facility uh, in Oklahoma. He says that some people tried to counterfeit green stamps. Uh, just like money. Oh, yeah. But he also said that fakes were obvious because you really needed specialized equipment to make them. And they had all of those safeguards on them that you need specialized equipment for, and people just didn't have them. He said the bigger problem was actually people stealing stamps from distribution sites. I see, that's what I was wondering. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, then they would try to redeem them at a store. Of course, it was interstate, so the FBI would get involved on it when they would find out about things like that. How they would find them is they would come in big, st- big sacks of say they would come in with big sacks of saved books filled with stamps, and they would all be the same consecutive numbers. Oh, yeah. He said that in order to have that many stamps where their numbers are all consecutive, you would have had to have bought something like an airplane. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible way to try to cheat. Like at best, maybe like slip one or two books of counterfeit in with the real yeah, thing. Like yeah. Don't try to do everything at exactly. once. Exactly. He also said once in a while we would have a community project and somebody would take them on a tour through the plant. So one time we were going through, and beside the machine that slid the stamps down onto coils, when you cleared that machine, there was a certain amount of extras that had to be torn off. So they put them in a trash can there. And this little old lady said, do you see that? And boy, they all wanted a handful of those. They said, well, you're just going to throw them away anyway. But we couldn't do it. <laughs> It'd be like touring uh, a treasury and being like, ooh, can we get some samples oh, yeah. <laughs> of the money you're printing? Mm-hmm. Trading stamps peaked in popularity in 1968 when $900 million in in stamps were sold. But starting around the late 70s, their popularity began to fade. Uh, This was due to several factors. One factor in diminishing stamp popularity was the gas crisis of the 70s. Gas stations were one of the main suppliers of green stamps. Um, I think they were maybe 30% of the retailers that gave out green stamps. And during the gas crisis, they didn't feel the need to use promotions like stamps to entice customers in. They were like, people are lined up to come get gas from us. We don't need anything to incentivize Mm -hmm. customers to come in. Green stamps also suffered due to high inflation during this time, as some stores uh, stopped using stamps and instead decided to advertise by promoting lower prices. Critics of green stamps and other stamp programs believed that the stamps led to higher prices Um, because I guess they thought the retailers are buying these stamps and so they're offsetting that cost by raising prices. Um, I don't know if this is something that actually happened. People said it did, but then retailers, of course, said, no, we don't do that. So I don't know. But this led to some states introducing bills to ban stamp programs or to impose heavy taxes on them. One Supreme Court justice called stamp programs, quote, an appeal to stupidity. Patrick Boyle, in a 1975 Times Union article, wrote, The only thing that's free about trading stamps is the aftertaste from licking a book of them. (laughs) Hmm. Another blow to SNH green stamps was the Federal Trade Commission. And this isn't stamps in general. This is specifically SNH because the FTC took them to court in 1972 over what they considered uh, illegal restrictive practices. 
So one of these was regulating the number of stamps that retailers could give relative to purchase amounts. You were supposed to give 10 one-point stamps or 10 points if you were using larger denominations, whatever. Mm -hmm. But you get 10 points for every dollar you spend. But some retailers, especially uh, I read gas stations who were competing with one another for customers, uh, would sometimes give out more than that to try to get more customers. Like uh, you get more stamps per dollar at us. And uh, SNH tried to restrict that. The company also tried to restrict where you could redeem stamps. They said you can only redeem them through us. You can't, nobody else can set up their own shop on stamps because mm -hmm. I guess other people were doing that. Uh, and you couldn't trade stamps between program. There were, Programs. There were apparently places where people would trade their green stamps for top value stamps or for whatever they needed. Um, and SNH was trying to restrict that as well. So the FTC said these things are illegal. Uh, and I'm probably going to lose almost all of the legal nuance to this. <laughs> but um, my understanding is that if we consider green stamps as currency, then you should be able to use it as you use any other currency. So you should be allowed to trade them if you want. You should be allowed to spend them wherever you want to spend them. Um, once a store buys them from the company, they are free to hand out as many as they want, however they want. Um, that's what the FTC said. And the Supreme Court ruled in their favor and against Sperry and Hutchinson. Hmm. So I think these controls were something that um, SNH was using because uh, it was beneficial to their business, obviously, yeah. um, to regulate the stamps in such ways. But um, they weren't allowed to do those things anymore. And I think that was a blow to the company as well. By 1989, an Associated Press story quoted a Publix grocery store official as saying, many of our younger customers didn't even know what green stamps were. It's a thing of the past that doesn't fit in well anymore. Publix, by the way, dropped green stamps that same year. Hmm. Despite diminishing distribution, green stamps hung in there for as long as they could. What do you think was the last supermarket to carry them? Or you can, you can say the state if you want to. Uh. I was going to say Kmart. <laughs> I was going to say Kroger. Kroger. That it, sounds good. It was a Piggly Wiggly. Oh, Ooh. Piggly Wiggly. West Virginia? <laughs> in Tennessee. Oh. A Piggly Wiggly in Tennessee was the last supermarket to distribute green stamps, and they did so until 2003. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. This feels like, uh, sorry to go on a side tangent, but it feels like when you have like that that last Japanese soldier to actually surrender from World War II in like mm -hmm. 1973 or something. Yeah, it's like amazing it, it, how long certain feels, things go on. Yeah. yeah, Like I wonder if Piggly Wiggly just kept trucking along like they didn't know. Like they just yeah. like, oh, this is what we do. This is. Before this, though, there was an attempt to stay relevant with the times. Sperry and Hutchinson introduced a program called Green Points, where points were collected on a card. They introduced this in 1999 and 8 million people enrolled. However, um, this eventually ended in 2020, and all of the points that people had accrued were transferred to a different program called Fresh Points. Um, Sperry and Hutchinson, by the way, was sold at least once. I'm wanting to say it was sold a couple of times, um, but I'm not sure exactly how many times. <clears throat> And I don't believe it is its own company anymore. Uh, and however that shook out, you can't redeem your green stamps 
So sorry if no. you still and have I've green I've been holding stamps. on to them for so long. <laughs> I know. You've been collecting them so you could buy a gorilla. I feel like there probably are people who do have them, though. Like, I could see my dad having green stamps hoarded, <laughs> hoarded away somewhere. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. You can't redeem them through the company anymore. Although they may have some sort of collector's value. Yeah. I don't know. But it may be like uh, old issues of National Geographic. For some reason, people just hold on to those forever and ever, but nobody wants them because everybody has a stack of them. Yeah. So maybe green stamps are like that. Today, there is a new separate company called S&H Interactive, and they have their own green stamps program used to benefit local causes and businesses. Every time you shop at a participating merchant, you get 100 stamps. Stamps can be redeemed online through their digital idea book. Hmm. And under the heading idea book on their website, you can also find and shop wish lists, which act kind of like uh, registries. So you can create like a wedding list or a baby list and people can go cash in their green stamps. That's kind of neat. Yeah. So let's look at the cost of some of those things. All right. I found a 1979 idea book, and I would like to play a little game, kind of like The Price is Right, (laughs) to see if you all can guess how many books different uh, items were. Okay. So, as a reminder, one book held 1,200 points. Okay. Okay? A crystal frog. Eight books. books. Oh. <laughs> and now Wendy? I two books. Okay. Five and a half. Okay, I gotta get better at this. I feel like that's a lot of books though. That is a lot of books. Because what's five times twelve hundred? That's like six thousand, and it's five and a half, so like six thousand six hundred points for a crystal frog. And I just I feel like given my growing up experience. I'm going to go cash in stamps. It's not going to be for a crystal frog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What is the most utilitarian thing that I can get that I need? They have a a lot of that too. Yeah. (laughs) They have things for anybody of any ilk, honestly. Um, This was on one of the first pages and I just had to include (laughs) it. It reminded me of the way that Wheel of Fortune used to make you spend your winnings Uh in the Wheel of Fortune shop. You didn't, like, if you won $5,000, you didn't get to go home with $5,000. You had to go to the Wheel of Fortune shop and spend it. And um, my family, the running gag was always about the brass pig. It's like, who's (laughs) buying the brass pig? So the crystal frog is the brass pig of green stamps. Okay. I do have a lot of these, so I guess I should... Stop talking and get on with it so we can play some more prices right. Artichoke plates. Um, There are four plates. Each plate has three sections, one to hold the artichoke, one to hold the butter, and one to hold the leaves. It shouldn't be more than two and a half books. I was going to say three books. Five and a half. Oh, gosh. This is highway robbery. (laughs) A set of Corel butterfly gold dishes is a 20-piece set. That's worth all the books. Ten books. Six books. Eleven and a quarter. <laughs> a macrame wall hanging called Expressions by Don Friedman. It measures 36 by 48 inches. Four books. Five books. 19. Oh, oh my goodness. A 72-inch couch. Oh, wow. Like 20 books. 27 books. 
Man, 86. 86. Oh. So you're telling me not only could I not afford other things, I can't afford green stamp things either. No, you can't. You don't have green stamp money. Uh, how about a bean bag? Um, Beanbag chair or the beanbag? A chair. Oh, chair. 13 yeah, books. Let's go with 11. Okay, so Logan actually wins because he got closest without going over. It's 12 and three quarters. Oh, wow. You were so close, Wendy, but you went slightly over. A grandfather clock. Oh, gosh. Huh. I'm going to go with... 37. 90 books. <laughs> 166. Oh, wow. A golden eagle wall decoration. <sighs> 78. I was going to go with 86 books. Oh, actually, I should uh, describe it. Sorry, I missed the description. It is aluminum with an antiqued gold finish. Does that change your... I want to change mine to 65 books. 135. 10. Oh, gosh. Wow. A Singer Stylist sewing machine. Oh, wow. 120. (laughs) 130 books. Much closer, 165. Can you imagine um, not just walking into a redemption center with like 165 books, but if you did it through the catalog, you had to mail them your books. Mm -hmm. Mailing almost 200 stamp books. Wow. I wonder how much that would cost. I know, right? And is it worth it? The uh, idea book I was looking at also said that you had to pay tax on your purchases. Yeah, that's what I was figuring. The stamps didn't cover the tax either. Yeah. How about a Sunbeam drip coffee maker? Um, 35. I was going to say 72. 13 and a half. Oh, okay. A yogurt maker. It makes one quart of yogurt in five individual glass jars. 63. 23. Four and three quarters. (laughs) What? Nobody wanted that yogurt maker. (laughs) No one wanted the yogurt maker. An automatic juicer. Ooh. Seven. 17. (laughs) 29 and a quarter. I can't. I I, I might as well stop. (laughs) An electric walk. Oh, um, 12, 32, 12 and three quarters. Hey. Look at you. An ice cream maker. It makes four quarts. Oh. Um, it's electric and it comes with a recipe book. 46, 17, eight. Oh, an electric meat grinder. Oh, Ooh. 58, 43, 14 and a quarter. Ah. Uh, a bag sealer. It says it's for making your own boil-in-a-bag foods. It comes with a set of boilable bags. Twelve. Five. Six and three quarters. Oh. <laughs> Microwave oven. Oh. Oh. Uh, um, 60. 78. 260. <laughs> but, you know, microwave ovens were very new That's and extremely yeah. expensive at this yeah. time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the bag sealer so you can make boil-in-a-bag foods. <laughs> Have either of you ever had a boil-in-a-bag food? I mean, I, I understand the yes. concept. Yes, uh, I Camping. Have. I think camping, there were some meals where you just, uh, like, chuck the bag in and into the boiling water. I feel like there was a big push when I was a child for boil-in-a-bag foods for, you know, those who were on the go and had busy lives and... They were not what they were made to be. No, no. Yeah, they weren't that great. And that's one of the things I love about going through and looking at this catalog, not just the number of books that things cost, but the things that you could get with stamps and the things that we just don't use today. Yeah. That apparently were popular enough to be in the catalog Mm -hmm. back then. 
How about a butcher block table? Oh. Uh, 250. 200. 80. Ah. Paige is screaming again. She has guesses about how much she thinks <laughs> things are. How about a four-piece Pyrex Fridgy set? It oh. is in the homestead pattern. Um, oh. Well, the home that that key ingredient really changes my guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that um, clue is just what I needed. <laughs> 115 books. I'm gonna go 200. Surprisingly, four and a half books. Are you serious? I know. I get so mad thinking about. Are you serious? Missing out on all that Pyrex. <laughs> I would have had all the Pyrex. I know it's so collectible now, but oh. We could have gotten all the pirates. I would have had it all. Right. What about a latch hook rug kit? It is 20 by 27 mm. inches. Nine. Six. Seven. You are both very close. Yeah. A postage stamp collection. A thousand stamps from 125 countries. Four. Three and a half. <laughs> you both lose. It was three. You both oh, went uh. over. Model boat kit. It is uh, the finished boats around 21 inches long and 13 and a half inches high. It is pre-painted and comes with a display stand and realistic sails. Two. Three. Seven. Oh. Okay, now what was the Pyrex? The four. Pyrex was four and a half, four. but the model boat four is and seven. The model boat was almost double the Pyrex? Yes. That makes no sense. That this really world makes no this sense. This is all over the map. <laughs> makes I no sense. I can't keep up. You know nothing of the economy of green stamps. <laughs> What about an oil painting set? 12 tubes of paint, uh, a palette, linseed oil, a set of brushes, and an instruction book. Six. Seven. Seven! You got oh. it right on the nose. You finally got it. What about a chess set? It has a five-inch king and weighted and felted pieces with a presentation chest. Three. Nine. Six. Uh. A backgammon set that comes with a vinyl case. Five. Uh, six. Eight. You're getting closer. An eight-track case. It holds oh. 24 eight-tracks. Four and a half. Oh. A 13-inch GE color television with oh carrying my. handle, in case you want to carry your TV <laughs> around with you. 250. Uh, 175. 124. Oh. Uh, this next one I wrote down because it connects to a previous episode, and I always love to cross-promote our episodes. Uh, in our episode on Polaroid, we talked about how Polaroid cameras actually put out a movie camera, but it wasn't very good. <laughs> so it didn't do very well. Um, and this movie camera was in the idea book. A Polaroid Polavision movie camera. Mm, 75. 325. 265. Oh, wow. A Kodak carousel projector. Oh, 400. Um, 260. 40. Oh, wow. <laughs> a Casio mini card calculator. It is an eighth of an inch thick. Eight. 150. 12 and a half. 150? I don't know. Nothing makes sense in this world. <laughs> Pyrex? I still, yeah, I still can't get over the Pyrex. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Uh, and I'm sad to say they did not offer anything uh, branded high karate cologne, That's which is another episode you should go back and listen to. Uh, if you haven't already. So they didn't have any high karate, but they did have Brute. Oh. Uh, they had a Brute gift set that includes an ounce and a half of cologne and a seven-ounce soap on a rope. Four. If it was more than one book, it wasn't worth it. <laughs> Four and three quarters. Mm. 
a carpeted toilet tank cover. Oh, that's, that's amazing. definitely three books. Uh, Fifteen. Three and a half. <laughs> a baby crib. Oh, gosh. Oh. Thirty-five. Uh, Twenty. Thirty-one. Ah. And we can't forget the fur babies. What about a cat bed? Seventeen. Uh, Twelve. It is four and a half. Ah. An aquarium set. It is a 10-gallon oh. aquarium air pump thermometer heater filter flo- filter floss, whatever that is, <laughs> charcoal tubing, chlorine neutralizer, reflector, and fish food. 18. 15. 15. Okay, so now you've both guessed one on the nose. See, you're getting much better at this. I only have a few more, I promise. A jack knit, and really I go through them more to tell you what was in the catalog, because I just love seeing the kinds of things you could redeem. Jack Nicholas Golf Club set. It is 11 pieces. It includes a one, a three, and a five wood, irons three through nine, and a wedge. 112. 230. 72. Oh, wow. A Vitamaster exercise bike with a 14-inch wheel, speedometer, and odometer. 125. 200. 40. <laughs> a Brunswick Scorpion bowling ball in Ooh. 12, 14, or 16 pounds. 56. 115. 10. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I want to say that more went into making the bowling ball than the Pyrex. So oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it's about demand. <laughs> there's a high demand for, or wait, if there's a high demand for Pyrex, wouldn't that mean that... It would be more expensive. It'd be more expensive. Maybe more there was a higher demand for bowling balls. Uh, yes, oh, I guarantee I it. My parents were on a bowling league. Yeah, so I, I knew many people on bowling leagues. Yeah. Uh, how about a Coleman two burner camp stove? Fifty three. Seventy two. Fourteen. Mm. Uh, a smoking grill, which was a charcoal and water smoker double grill, thirty four inches high. Forty two. Eighty seven. Twenty six. And I encourage people to look up a picture of this because this is the I can't describe it. It is kind of like a. Uh, you know, if you get a pill and it comes in capsule form, it kind of looks like a pill capsule turned on its side, but it's like grill sized. It looks really weird. Oh, and it wow. says it's a smoke and water grill. So I guess that has something to do with this, the shape, but it looks really weird. It is called a smoke in grill. So if you want to look that up, it's kind of interesting looking. Okay, last item we're going to talk about. A 10 inch electric chainsaw. Ooh, 70. 200. 20 and a half. Ah. Wow. So what is your Green Stamps white whale? Something that either existed as Green Stamps and you want it or something you wish they would let you redeem stuff for that if you had Green Stamps, you would totally get it. A car. So. Man, I can't. A car is two books. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Obviously, I um, would want all the Pyrex. Me too. But I'm thinking of the, I guess, the utilitarian point of view that I would just want to redeem my green stamps to be able to get, like, food or, like, a gift certificate to get Mm. more food. Or I just want practical things. I don't want a crystal frog or a, (laughs) you know... A macrame hanging to put on my wall. I don't. I'm. I'm looking for some practical stuff here. So. But they have like a baby crib. <sighs> you guess. could get a microwave. They have a television. I guess, but I don't know. I guess I'm just looking for 
Maybe maybe like a gift card to like a thirty dollar gift card to buy more food. I See, mean. you're tainted by modern loyalty <laughs> programs. No. What about you, Logan? Uh, I'd probably, depending on what needs have been met, I probably would lean towards something more practical. Yeah, uh, I, I guess we, it's our childhood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If only we'd grown up wealthy and we respected things like crystal frogs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what if they had guitars? Oh, that would be interesting. It'd probably be like, a, I, I would imagine they would have like a silver tone guitar. Mm-hmm. I could see that being in the catalog. I have something very specific that I know was in the catalog um, that I want. And that is, uh, I'm a Pyrex person, just like Wendy. There is a Pyrex print called Butterprint. And Butterprint t- typically came in uh, teal. That was the pattern color. Um, it was like a teal on white. But there was a separate one that came in pink. And I think that was a stamp thing as well, maybe. But the one I want is butter print in pumpkin, which is orange print. Because mm-hmm. I am crazy about orange. This is so highly collectible. And it was only available through the green stamp oh. program. You could not buy it anywhere else. You had to get it through green stamps. Okay. And I don't know if it's because of that that it is so rare and collectible today, but it is. I saw uh, a bowl. Uh, the f- it, they were Cinderella bowls, so it's like this uh, four-bowl set. And I saw one of the bowls, the biggest one, at an antique store several weeks ago, and there was no way I could get it because it was like $350 oh, wow. just for this one bowl. But it thrilled me just to see it, mm-hmm. honestly. I took a picture of it and shared it on Instagram because <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, butter print and pumpkin. <laughs> but the only people that have those um, originally, unless you got it um, secondhand somehow, was through the Green Stamps program. Hmm. And I am so angry. And it probably, because it probably didn't cost that much. Yeah. I, yeah. Two books. Now, now we know it really didn't. Uh, and I, really I bet it. when people were ordering that, they, they had no idea the, the, the chaos that would cause in 2023 of the Pyrex collectors. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm really big into orange Pyrex in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, and of course, all orange Pyrex tends to be uh, a, a little rarer right. and it costs a little more. I don't know why, yeah. because that's my luck. So my uh, print of choice is Friendship, which is like orange and yellow mm-hmm. print. Um, and it's not crazy expensive. It's not like $350 for a bowl, but I rarely see it um, in a store. And if I do, it's in really bad shape. So all the pieces I've gotten, I've gotten online uh, and paid a little more than certain other prints. But there was also, in addition to orange butter print, which was through the stamp program and is really rare, there's another one that's orange barcode. Um, and I don't know what the actual name of this print is, but there is a casserole dish that has what looks like a blue barcode uh, as the pattern. Um, so it's colloquially called barcode, but it's like these uh, vertical lines of varying thicknesses. And there is an orange version. And I don't think that it was ever sold or ever up for redemption. I think it might have been something that only Pyrex employees had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want that too. So I don't know why all the orange ones mm-hmm. 
are are harder to get. It's yeah. just my luck, yeah. And anybody who doesn't care about Pyrex is going to be glad to know I'm stopping now. I'm not going to keep talking about <laughs> Pyrex. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Pyrex. I it's love, so, so good. I love to talk about the Pyrex. Yeah. Well, you know, if you were around when the, the green stamps were a thing, you could have gotten tons of Pyrex for very little I books. Know. I know. Yep. All right. Uh, if there is something that you would have liked to have gotten from the idea book, share it with us on Instagram. That's all for us today. Thank you for listening. Hypnog History is researched by me, Ashley Skidmore, with music and technical wizardry by the exuberant Andrew Logan Skidmore. Follow us on Instagram by searching for hypnotic.history or by clicking the link in the episode description. Until next week, listeners, peace and love.